welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. Before we start this morning, I'd like us to turn in groups of two or three. You weren't going to get away from that. So just chat a little bit. I've got one question that I'd like you just to think about. And after you've chatted, what I want from you, just in your own mind, and if you could jot it down, that's even better, is just in one or two sentences. Have we got that slide up there yet? Admire. Just the next one. What is it you wish to achieve in life? Just in two sentences. I know it's like an impossible question. But if you had to reduce kind of everything that you want to do down to one or two sentences, just a couple of, of lines, what is it that in this life you want to achieve? So you can do that. Turn in groups of, of two or three and just chat about that for a couple of moments. And then as you're talking, trust God to wash away kind of the non-essential stuff. So you just left with that, that core little what is it that I want to achieve with my life? Okay, you're all done. And I really hope for for those, which are most of you who are involved here with us, that your answers had a lot to do with bringing glory to God and living for His renown, seeing his people come to know Him and discipling. And I really hope that that was at the center of everything that you said. Um, and maybe I want to challenge you a little bit that if it wasn't, that you maybe go ask yourself that question in, in prayer again a little bit. What, what is it in this life that I'm wanting to achieve? And and ask, well, what is, what is it that's really important? Um, and obviously that's a little bit of a topic for a different day, but, but that's an important question to be asking, and we're going to get back to that just now. Before we do, maybe let's pray, and then we'll carry on. Father, I just thank you this morning that even as we can sing, that you are stronger and greater, and you've wiped away all of us, and Lord God, you've come that we may have life, that we may have it more abundantly. And this morning, as we gather here together in your name, we pray that you will continue just to speak to us and encourage us, shape us and inspire us, Lord God, around your finance, Lord. God, we, we just pray for an understanding of your ways, of your will, of your truth, Lord. God, we pray to you, wipe away, Lord, every, every idea that is of man, everything that is carnal or that is of the flesh, Lord. God, that you would really raise us up as a generation, Lord, to use and to steward our finances, Lord, in a way that, that you would, Lord, that we would look upon our money in the way you look upon our money, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you come and breathe that over our hearts this morning. Amen. So I said we're not going to recap everything that, that we did two years ago, but I just want to recap just a couple of fundamentals that we spoke about in one of the sessions. Um, I'm going to run through it very quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, um, but I think things that we should all 
all understand when it comes to finance. Um, and hopefully for most of us, this is something that, that we do get. First of all, it's all God's. In other words, it's not mine. And it's not yours. In Haggai chapter 2, he writes, the sil- God speaking, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. That money in your bank account, it's not your money in your bank account. It's his money in his bank account, which happens to be in your name. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. The second fundamental is that money isn't evil. I've had this discussion kind of so many times. I remember as a student, I studied a whole bunch of different stuff about money. And one day the professor got up and told us that the Bible says money is evil. And I just gotten saved and started reading the Bible. And I put my hand up and I said, I don't think the Bible says that. And he says, no, the Bible does say that. And we were a really small class, so we could do this. So we went and looked for a Bible and we opened a Bible and we read that money isn't evil. The love of money, Scripture says, is the root of all kind of evil. And we'll read some passages around that now. Money isn't evil, and neither is having it. There's nothing wrong with having money in the eyes of God. Poverty doesn't equal holiness, as some people sometimes think. And neither does being rich equal holiness. Okay, that's just a state to which we're called, a way in which God blesses us. Whether we are the richest man in the country or the street sweeper, that doesn't have anything to do with your holiness. You can be a street sweeper who's holy serving God, and you can be the richest man on the planet holy and serving God. Okay, scripture is very clear about that. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God is once again speaking here, and he, He's speaking to the Israelites, and He says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest... When you have eaten and are full, and you've built beautiful houses, and you dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you to do you good in the end. So when you've been through all of this and you have all of these houses and all of this wealth that come your way, be careful then that you don't say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Part of the covenant of God at times is that He releases wealth upon us. Money isn't evil. And one of the things, there's just a poverty mentality in church that kind of, you know, God keep, there's an old saying that used to say, you know, keep the pastor, God will keep the pastor poor and then you can keep him humble. You know, Kind of with an understanding that poor people will be humble and poor people will be holy. There's no, no biblical basis at all for that. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, for the love of money, is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's one thing, loving money, chasing after money, living a life committed to money, that's a root of all kinds of evil. But the money itself isn't evil. Money is neutral in that sense. In the same way that this chair isn't evil, 
what I do with this chair, if I hit you over the head with it, then it's an object for evil. Whether you're sitting on it and you're listening to the Word of God, then it's an object for good. In the same way, television and the internet is an evil. If you're using television as an example to get the gospel into countries where people can't have come together, then television is a fantastic thing. If you're using television for all sorts of vice and pornography and destroying lives, then it's an evil thing. Does that make sense? So the TV isn't good or bad. It's how we use it that's good or bad. Money is exactly the same. Money isn't good or bad. What we do with it and the way in which we relate to it can be good or bad. Money and power doesn't corrupt. There's an old saying, power corrupts, money corrupts. Scripture tells before us, that's not the case. Money doesn't corrupt. Power doesn't corrupt. What it does do is it reveals and amplifies what's already on the inside. If you have hidden corruption in your heart and you're corrupt with 10 rand, the only difference now is when you've got a million rand or 10 million rand, that corruption just gets amplified. If on the other hand, if you've got 10 rand and you're righteous with a 10 rand, and now it's a million rand or 10 million rand, the righteousness gets amplified. Money doesn't corrupt, it just amplifies what's on the inside, and unfortunately for most of us, there's a whole bunch of corruption hidden on the inside, and we need to trust God to bring healing in that. Luke 16, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. It's not that the power corrupts, the money corrupts, the power just places us in a position where the corruption becomes so big that people notice it. And that's why it's so important. I'm so encouraged that so many of you here this morning are students in the midst of your exams because you're establishing something now going forward. Before the income starts coming, you already can, can trust God to purify and reveal something in your heart and establish something in your heart for when the finance does start coming that you can, you can deal with it. And then just two more fundamentals before we really share what I wanted to share this morning. Money is inherently and profoundly spiritual. As much as money is just a physical thing on this earth, it is a physical thing that God is using in an incredible spiritual way. First Timothy 5 verse 8 says, If anyone does not provide for his own, and he's actually speaking about the household here, specifically widows, older ladies, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's a powerful statement right there. You know, sometimes we think some Christians saying, no, but, but God's called me to be poor so I can't feed my kids. You know what Scripture has to say about that beautiful minister? You're worse than an unbeliever if you can't even feed your own household. And that's a, a reality check we need to bring back to to church a little bit because church tends to sway towards two poles when it comes to the money thing. We're either on the we must be poor so we can holy page, be holy page, or we're on the page I'm only holy if my toilet seat is gold plated. And sort of the TBN traditional TBN type of God bless me because God loves me and just God just wants me to have everything go well in my life type of. And we sort of get to one of those two poles, neither of which is, is really biblical. There's an element of truth to both of them because there's an element of suffering. There's an element of sacrifice. There's an element of contentment. And we, we spoke about that at length last year. But there's also the understanding 
that God's got no problem with wealth and with us walking into wealth and entering into wealth. As a matter of fact, I believe He's wanting the church to begin to walk into wealth. But only when we start answering that first question we asked in the right way. When that, what do I want to become? What do I want to achieve in my life? Changes from I want to have a nice house with a nice comfortable car and a nice family and watch the rugby on my big screen. When we start moving away from that to, God, I want to give my life for your glory and for your purpose. God, what I want at the end of my life is I want to have lived a life that makes you famous, Jesus. What I want at the end of my life is I want to live my life in such a way that people meet you. That's what's most important in my life. And out of that then will flow a healthy family and will flow. Last time I read Matthew 6.33, it said something along the lines of seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. These things being the things of this world. But I believe that as God begins to purify and heal our hearts around this thing about living unselfish lives, uncarnal, unfleshy lives, He's wanting to release finance upon because there is a lot of work to be done for the church. You know, the good news for you and me as Christians, we're never going to be jobless. You're always going to meet somebody somewhere in the world who doesn't know Jesus and needs to be discipled. And that is all of our primary functions and jobs here on earth. Everything else is ancillary to that. Everything else is just to allow us to do that. To provide finance so we can feed our people, so we can testify to the grace of God and allow God to to pour favor and and truth through our lives. Money is inherently and profoundly spiritual. It's the only God that that God compares himself to. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Right there, God makes us a spiritual thing. He says there's a spiritual choice that you and I need to make. Who are we going to serve with our lives? Are we serving the one living God? Or are we serving our bank accounts and the money or the lack of money therein? And then the last fundamental, Mark 12, is 41. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. God is watching. God watches what you do with your money. He's not watching necessarily how much is in your hand, but He's watching what's going on in your heart when you're dealing with money. What's going on in your heart when you're giving? What's going on in your heart when you're sowing, when you're spending? And I really want to encourage you to get, get lost. You see, we said there are only three things you can do with money. You can save it. You can spend it or you can give it. Those are the only three things you can do with your money. You can save it, you can spend it, or you can give it. But saving for the, point of, for the purpose of saving is useless. What I mean by that, if I save a hundred rand a month, so by the end of my life I've got a whole big stack of cash and then I die and my kids take that stack of cash and they save a hundred rand a month and by the time they die they've got an even bigger stack of cash and five generations down the line there's just this huge stack of cash I might as well just have spent it. Does it make sense? We're saving it so that we can spend it or give it later. That's why we're saving it. It's just delayed. So there are actually only two things we can do with our money. We can give it 
or we can spend it. And we need to be doing both. Scripture speaks about bread to the eater and seed to the sower. And we need to distinguish what is the seed that I need to sow and what is the bread that I need to eat because God wants you to eat your bread. He wants you to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Scripture is very clear about that. We're not meant to give everything away. That's not holy either. That's not good stewardship. Okay. It's, if it's God's, the first question we're meant to be asking is, God, what do you want me to do with your money? That's what stewardship, the heart behind stewardship is all about. So those are just a couple of fundamentals that I wanted to drop for us there. The first one, it's all God's. In other words, it's not mine. The second one we had there, do them in the same order. It's not evil and neither is having it. Money doesn't corrupt. It just reveals what's already on the inside. It's inherently and profoundly spiritual. This is an incredible, powerful spiritual dimension when it comes to money. And he's watching. Then I'd like us to read from, from Luke chapter 16. And this morning, it, I don't have so much. I really don't have so much to tell. Just as I was praying said on the, on the plane last night and just reading, I just felt God just wants to just drop one question in our hearts to meditate on and, and to work through it. Michal and Sean are, are going to do some more sessions this morning and be a little bit more, more practical in the approach, I think. But Jesus is speaking to his disciples in, in Luke chapter 16. And I encourage you, go read this whole passage. Go Luke chapter 16. Go read Luke 16, 17, 18. There's just so much that God's speaking about finance and money throughout those two chapters and the way he's dealing with people and their relationships with money, those three chapters. And yet, in Luke 16, he says to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. This is one of the stories that I puzzled me for, for years. It's, it's, I don't know if you guys know where we're going with the story, but kind of as you read it, you're going to realize, okay, well, what on earth is God trying to say here? But anyway, so the steward said within himself, what shall I do? He knows he's about to lose his job, and he's still got the job for a couple of days before he gets fired. So he's like, what am I going to do? My master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I need to have money somehow. I have resolved what to do. That when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light let's just pause there quickly does everyone get the story what's just happened here here's a guy he's the job he's the accountant at Vodacom and a whole bunch of the big clients he realizes he's going to get fired and a whole bunch of the big clients kind of are in arrears with a million or ten million rand or whatever and he calls those CEOs or their accounts chiefs and he says guys Read in the books, how much do you owe? Okay, you owe Vodacom 10 million rand. Don't worry, I'm giving you a 2 million rand discount. Make it 8 million. That's fine. How much is your account in debt? Oh, you're in debt in, in 500,000 rand. Well, let's just make it 250,000. And he's just writing off a whole bunch of debt. That's not his debt anyway. That's what he's doing here. He's just saying, guys, don't worry about paying my master back. And I've got the authority to do that. 
for now until he fires. And I'm going to get fired anyway, so now I'm going to make sure he fires me properly. Okay. That's exactly what happens here. And watch this. So the master, the guy who lost out in the deal, the guy whose debts have just gotten halved, commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And now Jesus says, and I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fall, fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and just love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Really interesting story. Really fascinating image that Jesus holds before us here. One that for a long time I didn't get. Because I had a twisted view around money. But first of all, let's just work backwards there. No servant can serve two masters. I said we're going to be speaking about that too. tomorrow night and tomorrow afternoon and, and tomorrow evening. Verse 11 through verse 12, he says, And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? This is such an important spiritual principle for us to understand given in the context of finances, so it relates primarily to finances. The implication here is no, nobody. If you're not being faithful in what is somebody else's, who's going to give you your own? Such an important spiritual principle that when God entrusts little things to us that's not ours, He uses that as a test to see, can I give you your own? The way in which single guys, you deal with, single woman and vice versa ladies the way you deal with men the way in which you work in that sense with somebody else's wife do you look after her well then God can give you your own the same with vision the way in which you run and are faithful in somebody else's vision and serving somebody else God looks upon that and says okay I can give you your own but the test for us to receive from God is not in how long we pray and how deep we intercede in all of that. It's just how faithful are we in that which is not our own. That's what God's looking at before He gives to us. Before God opens a door and releases blessing upon us in whichever sense it may be, the first thing He's looking at is what are you doing with other people's? You want vision? What are you doing with other people's vision? Are you laying down yourself for their vision and being faithful in their vision as if it's your own so that God can give you your own? Are you faithful in serving others? Are you faithful in what other people are doing with them, especially in the area that, that you want to prosper in? Such an important principle we need to learn. And the verse before that, and this is the one that hit me last year as we started speaking about finances because I'd never got this. And this to me, for, or two years ago when we did the last finance seminar, we did a bit more expanded than, than this morning's one. What really stood out for me was this verse. This is the one that kind of changed my view totally around finances and spoke about it a lot on that CD. Verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? There, once again, what's the implication? 
not God. This made me look about my money in a totally different way. When I began to realize true riches, what do, what do you think God means when He says true riches? People's lives, stuff that matters. What's He saying? He's saying the money doesn't really matter. But before He's going to give us the stuff that matters, people's lives, destinies, broken people who need to meet with Christ and have their lives changed around. Do you know what God's looking at before He's going to give us that? Authority to bring about change in the nation and to have an influence, to be given a mandate and a place from which to speak and to bring about change. What's God looking at before He releases that in our lives? How do we work with our money? That to me was just such an incredible revelation. That for, our, for, God, for us to enter into that which is important to God, the first question he's asking is, what are you doing with your money? Your unrighteous mammon. If you're not faithful in that, how on earth can I trust you with what matters to me? And I realized I need to be totally different. I need to react. I need to utilize my money differently. I need to be spending my money differently. I need to be praying about my money differently. I need to be budgeting around my money differently. Because if I really want the true riches, and I really hope every one of us here do, we have to get the money thing sorted out first. The money not only reveals our heart, we said last year, but it directs our heart as well. But this says money reveals where our heart is. God's given money to us as a way in which to test our hearts. He uses it as a test for our hearts. And that's why it's so important. I'm so encouraged that you're here this morning. Because he says there, I'm going to read this verse again. Just let it sink in a bit. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? I pray about, about that a little bit in, in the week. But then, the thought that I want to drop with us this morning in verse 9 Jesus says and he says and I say to you so now this isn't the parable this isn't the story so much watch this instruction Jesus gives us he says I say to you make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon make friends for yourself with money what is he saying there He's saying that the money that He places into our hearts, the money that He places into our hands, rather, the money that He places into our bank accounts is a tool with which to pursue the purpose that's placed in our hearts. That's the purpose of our money. Do you guys get that? He's saying use the money as a tool to accomplish that which is in your heart to do. Money is not something to spend. Once again, come back to that first question. I'm going to have us go back to that question now. What is it that I want to achieve with my life? Money is that which God gives me to establish that in my life. If I'm wanting to be discipling people, I need to be asking, am I spending my money in discipling? Let me phrase that differently. If in my heart is I want to be discipling people, what is the primary tool God is giving me to disciple people? My money. 
He says, utilize your money in such a way that it establishes the purpose that you believe your life is for. Make friends by unrighteous wealth, by unrighteous mammon. It's simply a tool with which he wants us to accomplish his purposes. And once again, this is causing me just to think differently about my money. This is causing me to think differently about my budget. This is causing me to think differently about what I'm wanting to spend my money on. Because Sean, I think, do I finish at 10? I didn't check the program before I come, but I think I've got until 10 past 10. And I want you guys to, to break into small groups again. Because I want to, that's sort of, I just wanted to lay that foundation. And then I wanted to ask that question. Because I believe this morning, more than a whole bunch of equipping and training, as I said, I, I really believe God wanted to just come to this one heart question. And the question that I'd like you guys to divide in your groups again and pray about is simply this question. It's not on the screen. Is the money you are earning, even if it's five rand, at the moment, the money that's coming in, is it helping you to reach your end goal? That which you said at the beginning, you want to achieve with your life, the money that's coming in, is that where it's going towards? Because so often, and just in my own life, I see it as well, the answer to that question is no. There's a whole bunch of money coming in that's doing everything but that. And obviously that's the assignment of the enemy. That's exactly what he wants to be doing. Is He wants us to be confused in our money. He wants us to be thinking all sorts of stupid things. You know, I, one of the things that I... I'm a bit of a, a tech junkie, so I like tech stuff. So every Thursday, I get posts free of charge from Game and from Macro and from Dion Wired. You guys get that post as well. And one of the things I love doing is just, just browsing through it and seeing what's in there. Seeing all the new stuff, especially Dion Wired stuff. they always got flashy stuff. But do you know what I realize? My need for a new TV or a new computer or a new whatever is directly proportional to the number of times I page through those things. If every week I'm looking at the newest, biggest TV, I need the newest, biggest TV. But if I'm not looking at the newest, biggest TV, then suddenly I don't need the newest, biggest TV. just saw they launched a new TV recently for about 350,000 rand at Dion Wired. So if anybody wants to buy a TV, there you go. If your purpose in life is that you want to have the newest, bigger TV, then spend your money towards it by all means. Just be honest with yourself around this one question, the money that I'm earning, the money that I'm receiving from God, the stewardship that God has given me. Am I using that to lead me towards the purpose that I'm carrying in my heart? Simple, simple question that I believe God wants us to ask this morning. As I said, it's not necessarily saying a lot, but I really believe that God wants us just to dwell on this for a moment. So I'm going to ask you to turn in your groups again and to share around that and be honest with yourself. Some of you need to be honest and say, listen, I must repent the answer I gave at the beginning. That's wrong. I said I want a big house or big this or big that or whatever thing it might have been. And God just spoken to me, I I just want people to meet Christ. I want to see His name glorified. And then to say, 
my money, by God's grace, it's, it's pushing me towards that. In other words, it's, it's flowing into its kingdom, his kingdom. It's flowing into discipleship. It's flowing into disciple making. It's flowing into church planting. It's flowing into worship. It's flowing into glorifying him. Or I'm carnal in my heart towards my finances. I'm spending my money. It, it's not getting me to where I'm going. Andy Stanley's got a beautiful book, kind of him, incredibly intelligent guy. He writes a book and everyone across the world buys it. And if you had two brain cells and you could have figured this out yourself, he calls it the principle of the path. He says, if you want to end up, for argument's sake, in Cape Town, then you've got to make sure that you're on the N2 on the way to Cape Town. The principle of the path. If you're on the wrong road, you're not going to get to your destination. As simple as that. He writes a whole book around this bestseller around the world. That's what he's saying. If you're on the wrong road, you're not going to get where you want to be. Continue to ask yourself, am I on the right road? This morning I want us to ask that financially. God says, use your money to establish your purpose. Paraphrasing what I believe he's saying in, in Luke 16. Make friends with unrighteous mammon. Use it to establish your purpose. Are you at the moment using your money to establish your purpose? And then pray around the areas that you feel God leading you to, to bring about change or to cement something that is, that is placed in your heart around that. Amen. So let's do that. Divide up into one another and divide up into one another. That's just brilliant English. You've got 10 minutes. Divide up into your groups and pray for one another. Um, and let's just bring this, this heart issue before the Lord this morning. For listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that it was time well spent establishing God's kingdom and proclaiming His glory in your life. For more information, call us on 012-362-1363 or email us at pretoria at shofaronline.org. You may also wish to browse our website at www.shofaronline.org or find us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria. There is no one like